Hello and welcome. My name is Meredith Beeson. I'm the Director of State Affairs at the Global Business Alliance. Uh, welcome to this episode of State Snapshots, a GBA podcast where we talk about different states and issues happening across the country. We're very excited to have Michelle Satterland, who's an attorney at McGuire Woods and registered lobbyist uh, based in Richmond, Virginia. So thanks for being here, Michelle, and we're looking forward to hearing some more legislative insights and maybe even a few of the updates on the election this week in Virginia. Yeah, thanks for having me, Meredith. It's a big week in Virginia, obviously, with a a changing of the guard, if you will. Um, Republicans won big here on Tuesday. We'll we'll have a new governor, a new lieutenant governor, and a new attorney general in January, all of whom are Republicans. And then seven, well, we everything's not final in the House yet, but it looks like seven seats have flipped to the Republicans. So it looks like if that holds, they'll have the majority in the House. Wow, we'll come back to a few more uh, election recaps and maybe make some predictions about next year and implications, but that definitely uh, shifts the political dynamics in Richmond significantly. Uh, But taking a step back, let's talk a little bit about uh, Virginia's regular session this year. And I also know that you had a few special sessions But what were some of the key legislative priorities um, that were either debated and or uh, passed and enacted? You know, it feels like we've been in constant session for the last two years, which is actually pretty unusual for Virginia because we tend to be pretty fast. You get in, we have 45 day and 60 day regular sessions. But given everything that's gone on with the the pandemic, we've had a number of special sessions and the legislature reconvened in August um, this past summer to look at all of the American Rescue Plan dollars that have come down from the feds and have been allocated to Virginia. So they went into session to look at, you know, how to allocate those. They, you know, from a business perspective, not many of the dollars were really focused on that. I would say broadband, which everyone cares about now, particularly as we've lived through the pandemic and realized it is the underpinnings of business. So there were dollars allocated for expanding broadband, but the others were mainly aimed at public health initiatives, school initiatives, um, small business, small business Um, received some attention, but not a whole lot that I think the members of the your alliance would be interested in outside of broadband. Yeah, that's great, Michelle. Thank you for uh, kind of a brief overview. I I agree. It's I I don't know how many special sessions you all have had, but definitely keeping a close eye on Richmond and what's happening there. You know, GBA focuses a lot on tax priorities, including combined reporting. We've been watching combined reporting proposals uh, for the last few years being introduced in the legislature. Um, GBA has prioritized and engaged and advocated on some of these issues, especially early proposals that really expanded a water's edge designation within the combined reporting proposals. So I know that it was kind of punted to a legislative study commission this year, and uh, I believe that study commission just wrapped up. So can you share a little bit of insights on how that process worked this summer and into this fall and uh, any kind of final recommendations coming out of that study commission? 
Yeah, so just earlier this week, the study released its interim report, and in, in all candid uh, candidness, I have not read the report yet, but it reflects the a work group that was put together. Delegate Watts, um, who is a House legislator, has been very interested in this issue, put the work group together. It, I know that some of your members were part of the work group, it folks from Comcast, from Nestle, I believe, folks across the board were involved. And overwhelmingly, it seemed from what I was hearing in the work group that folks were not um, positive about moving Virginia to a combined reporting method. I don't know, you know, that was all done <laughs> prior to the election. Um, at that time, at the last work group meeting, it was indicated that they were directing staff to look at some legislative proposals related to decoupling, um, greater flexibility in the filing election, um, you know, looking at market-based sourcing and single sales factors. So I do believe that staff is looking at drafting legislation. However, again, since Tuesday, the world has sort of shifted. And since this seemed to be a real House-driven initiative, and now the House has been, uh, the majority is likely to be Republican, I don't know that that's the new speaker or the new legislators will have such a focus on this issue. I suspect, um, particularly with a, a brand new everyone and everything, they may be unwilling to really take hold of this issue with so many freshmen, with a new governor. So I'm not sure whether whether this will actually gain any traction with the new administration or where this will all go. But for the time being, we do know that staff is looking at legislation. We expect to see something introduced. And I guess it remains to be seen how far that goes this year. Yeah, that is a great recap, Michelle. And as a reminder for our GBA members, we've provided updates on Virginia's study commission at our state tax working group. Our next meeting for members to join is on Monday, November 15th. Uh, and you're right, we did have uh, at least two of our GBA members participate in that study commission. So we've been able to really get some helpful insights uh, in addition to uh, you know, where sort of elected officials' heads are at on combined reporting. But as you mentioned, some of the uh, decoupling issues, possibly even more favorable treatment of business interest expense limitations or deductions uh, related to IRC Section 163J. So that's definitely an issue that we're gonna be keeping a close eye on uh, and do encourage members, either government affairs or uh, state tax professionals to get involved at our next state tax working group. So um, shifting gears a little bit, you know, you mentioned a little bit on kind of federal stimulus dollars, but would love to hear about how those America Rescue Plan dollars were being spent. You mentioned broadband, which of course is a huge issue to not just individuals, but businesses and in this kind of new pandemic world. Anything else to add, maybe even on kind of specific notes on economic development more broadly? Yeah, that's, you know, it's a ton of money that's coming into Virginia. And you wouldn't think with a pandemic that we'd be so flush with money, but it, it's very exciting. They did, you know, of the 4.3 billion that's coming in American Rescue Plan monies, we allocated approximately 3.5 billion. And I would say outside of broadband, um, we had some 
Well, it was about 487 million, I think that was dedicated to broadband, but there was a $57 million dedicated to the tourism sector. So I don't know if any of the commercial airlines or um, folks who have an interest in that sector are members of yours, but there is a big focus in Virginia on trying to restart and get that particularly industry sector, which has been hit so hard from COVID, re-energized. So that was a, a positive of some of those monies. Additionally, we have Rebuild Virginia, which was $250 million. Much of that is looking at small business, but those will be helpful. Um, obviously, across the nation, state unemployment commissions really suffered um, just in terms of outdated technology and workers who were furloughed or laid off you know, had significant issues accessing those dollars. So that's another area that in terms of the workforce, monies are being spent and looking at how to revamp and really get hold of what we need to do so that we're never in this position again. The other thing I would say is, um, you know, we're education, while it's not, when we think about um, your members, education still remains really critical because that's the future workforce pipeline. And so the dollars that have been um, allocated for education, we hope that those will be put in a place, you know, looking at working with businesses so that they're um, feeding into the pipeline what today's businesses need and thinking about tomorrow. So while much of this money went to public schools and much of it went to modernizing, I don't necessarily think that's such a a stretch to think that this is not a positive for business. So that's just a sum of the, a brief summary of some of the actual dollars that have been allocated. And um, we're anxious to see, there was a significant amount that has not directly allocated that it's still sitting there and will be, will be continued to work on. So there's other opportunities to help influence where those dollars go still. Yeah, some great perspectives there, Michelle, and I agree. I think a lot of our companies are looking at workforce issues, workforce or, you know, worker shortages are happening across many industries in many places uh, and really skilled and well-trained employees are usually in the top three uh, lists of requests for uh, companies who are looking to grow their business and expand it and continue to add economic value to states and commonwealths. So, um, Shifting gears, you know, we kind of led with the elections, given its uh, timely uh, timeliness here this week. But uh, you shared a little bit about a kind of a new governor being elected, uh, Governor Yunkin, and some of the potential legislative shifts pending uh, some very close uh, counts, it seems like. But uh, please recap again, kind of Virginia election night and sort of what is still left to be counted and what we might anticipate in the next few weeks. Yeah, well, this was obviously um, sort of a big shift in Virginia. Um, folks did not expect, I think, such a big shift. Like, we knew it would be a dead heat between the two gubernatorial candidates, Terry McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin, um, as you've probably read more times than you care to in the media, you know. 
we won by 10 or the Democrats won by 10 points for Biden last year. So there was some feeling that there wouldn't be that Terry would likely win, that it would be a dead heat. But given where Biden had been here in Virginia, that he would likely win again. Um, once again, you know, no one knows what voters will do. I think it underscores that and across the board that they determined that they wanted to see a Republican administration. So we'll have a new governor, new new lieutenant governor, the first African-American woman to serve as lieutenant governor, and then, of course, a new attorney general in in January. So that's um, and what's interesting about all of this is with this governor, this is not this is a political newcomer. This has been a business person. So he doesn't bring, you know, oftentimes you kind of have a sense of someone, you know, what they're going to do, who they're going to appoint. None of that is really known at this time. We do suspect that given his business uh, relationships, that he will be pro-business and anticipate that um, he'll have an interest in furthering Virginia's economic development opportunities and making sure that Virginia remains a leader in business. But that's just all, you know, what we surmise at this time. You know, we kind of had a sense from him on the campaign trail that um, advancing business initiatives will be a priority for him. And but it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen in terms of, you know, his appointments. Does he who does he choose from there? So it's an exciting time. Actually, we're all doing a lot of guesswork, but looking forward to the next, you know, four to five weeks when I think much of his plan will become clearer. And then, of course, the what we think are seven new seats in the in the House legislature um, or seven seats that have flipped to Republicans. There's still some on a couple of those seats. The the counts are really, really close. The margins are really close. So we expect there'll be a recount and you know you never know until it's completely finalized but for for today where we're sitting it looks like there will be seven um, republicans taking over current democrat seats so that will shift the majority in the house um, the senate will still have a democratic majority the numbers are close so you know the the new governor will have to consider that it's not you know you've you've got to get along with all sides particularly when when the margins are that close so that will also have to play into any political decision making but it will be interesting to see and i suspect you know we'll see a lot more focus on business legislation business friendly legislation economic development legislation um, particularly as we move. This is the first session that I suspect that we will be meeting in person for sure. And um, recovery is going to play probably an important role, a business recovery, economic development recovery for both the legislature and the new administration. Wonderful. Thank you, Michelle. And a lot of interesting twists and turns. We'll definitely likely have you back on to provide some updates early next year based on the new administration and the final kind of legislative shifts. But I, I think GBA members appreciate hearing about some of the potential opportunities with a more business friendly administration and possibly even some, you know, proactive ways for businesses to get involved in economic development conversations in the Commonwealth. 
So uh, last kind of formal question is redistricting. I know so many states are kind of at a race to finish up this year. Some states are tackling redistricting. But can you share with me about what is happening in the Commonwealth related to redistricting and redrawing of the maps every 10 years? And of course, anything else uh, in terms of priorities that you know state policymakers are maybe looking at between now and the end of the year? Yeah, well, um, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men, as they say, our redistricting commission meant and they labored heavily <laughs> and um, could not achieve any sort of consensus. So this went back to the court. The court has, and I believe it was November 1st or November 2nd, I sort of lost track with election, but um, both the House and the Senate were to um, provide names to the court for map makers. I understand that the Senate has done that. I don't know. We have not been able to confirm that with the House and just given the leadership change. Um, I don't know that they've actually been able to do that with everything going on this week. But those map makers within, I believe they have 30 days to get to the court, sort of their vision, and then the court will approve it. And I don't I don't think there's a deadline on court approval. So we don't have a sense of when that time will happen. But I suspect with the new administration change, things may now look differently than they would have under the current administration, that that will be taken into account as this, this moves forward. So, yeah, I think it's been an interesting and dynamic process. I think people worked really hard, but at the end of the day, they just could not come together on this, and it now leaves in the hands of the court. And the map makers, so whoever those folks may be. Right. Well, definitely an interesting area for us to keep an eye on, not just even state elected officials, um, but also some congressional implications, perhaps, right. on the Virginia side. Uh, one quick follow-up question, and you had mentioned, uh, I believe, earlier about pre-filing dates just for 2022, and it does sound, uh, again, you mentioned maybe Virginia, Richmond, in-person lobbying, kind of getting back to normal. But what are those deadlines uh, for bill introductions? Those start as early as this year? Yeah, so again, with the election, we don't know, you know, there'll be a new speaker in the House, if there'll be any sort of different rules put in place, but we do expect that it will be in person. Um, don't know if there will be any vaccination or mask requirements or what rules will be in place, if there will be social distancing, all of that. Um, remains up in the air, but we're pretty certain that it will be in person. It will be here at the Pocahontas building. Um, sessions start, the regular session starts the second Wednesday in January. However, pre-filing, we've got actually November 14th, pre-filing begins. That means legislators can start dropping legislation. Um, an important date to note is that November 29th is the deadline to submit drafts of pre-filed legislation to the Department of Legislative Services. And then there's a deadline of December 31st when Department of Legislative Services returns that. And then um, January 11th is the, the deadline for the second draft of the legislation and all pre-filed legislation must be done by January 12th. 
After that, typically, if you have an idea or an initiative, you have to ask a legislator to use their their personal quota. So it makes it a lot easier if you want to introduce legislation to get it pre-filed. But there are the end of this month is when the first draft has to be introduced. So we're we're moving towards session. That's what that tells me. So don't um, if you want to get it done, now's the time to be working on it. Great. Well, we appreciate those legislative deadline reminders. GBA, of course, will continue um, updating our legislative trackers, even though our, our 2021, tra 2021 trackers have not uh, been completed yet. But we'll definitely start to look at some of the bill introductions, uh, particularly on those tax priorities like combined reporting and anything related to business interest expense deductions or limitations. Uh, but thank you, Michelle, so much for providing these wonderful insights into Virginia and the Commonwealth's priorities, not just for the remainder of this year, but heading into next year. Uh, as always, though, I like to end my State Snapshots podcast with one of the more fun questions, which is what is a GBA member company product or service that you've used in the last month? So I am a big fan of many of your member products and services and um, Halloween was last week and Nestle makes some of the best candy and um, we definitely passed out a whole lot of Nestle branded candy. Plus Christmas is coming and they make the best chocolate chips for chocolate chip cookies. Um, I'd also say I think Shell Oil is a member and um, Shell You've got they've got a gas station. That's where I regularly get my fuel for my Volkswagen Rutan, which uh, we drive. And I know they're a member of yours as well. So um, definitely you've got a great membership and really appreciate getting to to share with them today. Well, Michelle, I think you win the prize for working in as many members, uh, maximum of three <laughs> members into that answer. So we really appreciate you again for joining us. Great insights on Virginia, and we'll definitely have you back in early next year to sort of lift the veil about a new administration and other potential legislative shifts. Excellent. It was great to see you all. Take care.